On this third Sunday in the season of Advent, our second scripture reading comes to us from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, verses 4 to 7. Listen for God's word to you today. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On September 15, 1986, Apple Computer released its most powerful 16-bit personal computer ever. It was called the Apple IIGS. Now, I know some of you nerds probably know all about this computer. I don't know that much about it, but I had one. This was our family computer when I was growing up, and around that time, we got one, and it was put into the family room of our, uh, of our home. And at first, my, my siblings and I didn't know quite what to do with this computer. Mostly, we just played a game called Load Runner on it uh, and other low-grade uh, video games of the era. Um, But my parents' idea was that this computer eventually would be used for something useful, like writing essays for school and applying to college. So the only problem was that none of us knew how to type. And so whenever we needed to type something on this computer, we used the tried-and-true method called hunt and peck. Are you familiar with hunting and pecking? You know all about this. The idea is that you will look for the letter that you need, you will hunt for it. When you find it, you will peck at it on the keyboard, and then you will look for the next letter. This is the practice of those who don't know how to type. You hunt and peck. The term hunt and peck comes to us from the wild world of chickens. This is the way that they forage for their food. This is how they eat. When they don't know exactly where their food will be, whether it's when they're out in the yard or in an open space, they will go hunting for some morsel of food, and then they will peck at the ground to get it. This is the way that most chickens operate. And this is the way that people who don't know how to use a keyboard operate. I wonder if this might be an image for us, this Advent season, for how we operate as we seek the joy that comes with Christ. This is the word that Paul keeps bringing up in his letter to the Philippians. The key term is joy or rejoice. He says it here, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. On this third Sunday in the season of Advent, we're talking about joy. In Philippians, Paul uses this word, the Greek word for joy or rejoicing, 16 times, 16 different times in this one small letter. There's only 104 verses total. So this is clearly an important theme for St. Paul. It's even more striking when we remember that he writes the letter to the Philippians from a dingy Roman jail cell, a place where it does not seem like there would be a lot of joy. He's been imprisoned for his passionate commitment to the good news of Jesus, and even in the midst of his suffering, he finds ways to discover joy. The message for us in this Advent season is this, rejoice always, I will say it again, rejoice. And I guess that goes for us here today, even in the time of pandemic, rejoice always. I guess it goes for us even in the midst of the hard parts of life, rejoice. It goes for us, I guess, during, even in the midst of political divisions, economic worry, hurricanes that are going around our country right now. 
God's word to us comes again and again. Rejoice. There is reason to find joy this season. But sometimes it's hard to have joy, isn't it? Sometimes it's kind of hard to get at the joy. If we're honest, that might not really resonate with us. It might not be true to our experience. We might struggle as we seek that kind of joy. Because the, and the reality is we don't always find it. We don't always know how to get it. Our goal, our, our purpose, our end might be to try and rejoice in all circumstances. You know, to dance like nobody's watching. But that can be hard to do. Even if intellectually we want to say yes. Even if spiritually we are opening our hearts to the joy that God has for us. In practice, and if we're honest, and since we're at church, it's okay to be honest. It's not always clear how to do it. It's not always clear what, what seeking joy or rejoicing looks like. So let me go back to the chickens for a minute. They have this goal, single-minded goal, really, and that's to find the food that the farmer has put out for them. They know it's out there somewhere. They believe it, and so in faith, they go out to hunt and peck their way to, towards their food. Rather than having their food placed right in front of them, right where they would want it to be, the food that the farmer gives is dispersed. It's diffuse. It's scattered everywhere, all over the yard. Sometimes it remains hidden. Sometimes it's easy to overlook. Sometimes you might just walk right past it, that good food that the farmer has for you. So the chickens, they go out every day to hunt and peck. They do it expecting to find the feed that the farmer has put out. When it comes to seeking and finding joy in our lives, the joy that God has set out for us, it begins with having that same kind of expectant heart, an expectant spirit, believing that our good God has something good for us. We come into this Advent season and around this Christmas time saying, I believe there will be something good from God for me to see, to learn, to know, to discover, to find. And it starts with our hearts. I think the source of St. Paul's joy, as we, as we hear about it in the Bible, in his life and his witness, is that he has set his mind and his heart on the things of God. He set his intention so that even being in a prison cell can't really divert him. It can't throw him off course. He has set his mind. It's important for us because since it's sometimes hard for us to find that joy, um, it's important for us to know this because at Christmas time, this time we're in around Advent, it can sometimes be a time of, of sadness instead of joy, of, of remembrance of those long lost to us or of times gone by, maybe good times that have passed. Maybe this has been a hard year for you. Maybe you are to, here today in a crisis moment. Maybe you're here in a long-term malaise. Maybe you're here today saying, I want to have an expectant heart for what God is giving, but preacher, but pastor, but person of God, how do I do it? How do we do it? How do we get at this joy? Well, don't you worry, my little chickadees, because I have some ideas for you. The first one, I'm going to give you some ideas for how to seek joy, find joy, experience joy in this season. And the first one, some of you will like, it's this. Uh, take a joyride. Remember a joyride? Just cruising. Um, 
This is a great season to get in your car and go for a drive. And I'm serious. You could take a joy ride. My kids love to do this. We drive around our neighborhood at night. We go and look at all the lights and the houses and see the decorations. We go down streets and blocks looking for those that have really done it up this year. It's almost like a treasure hunt. And the, the treasure in the hunt is to see these lights lit up, to see the joy that my kids experience, but also the joy on display in people's homes. A joy ride, whether it's to look in your neighborhood or to go out into the countryside, is different from being in your car commuting to work. Amen? I mean, it's different from that. You're not sitting in traffic. You're not thinking about all the things you have to get done. It's different from going out to run some errands or to go shopping. Those are important, but a joy ride that I'm talking about today is different from that. Driving around looking for joy. I saw a guy this week who was in one of those motorized um, wheelchairs, you know the kind? And he was rolling down the street with a Santa hat on. And I thought, wow, I wonder if he's out for a joy ride. Like, I don't know if he's going to do something or if he's just enjoying himself out in this, on this day, just cruising. Anybody can do it, this joy ride I'm talking about. Um, maybe you could do it um, in your car, but maybe you'd like to do it on a bike or a skateboard. All right, I'll give you a more eco-friendly version. You know, save on gas, which is really too expensive right now. Maybe get some exercise. The point is the same, to cruise around your neighborhood with eyes of interest and wonder to see what you will, what you will find. This is not a training ride up a hill on a bike. It's not like an exercise thing per se. It's not a commute to another town. It's about a joy ride where you're hunting and pecking, just out looking for something good. So for some people, it's not a car. It's not a bike. It's not even a skateboard. For some people, it'll just be a walk. Maybe you're one of these walkers or hikers. I was at a retreat a couple of weeks ago with a number of members of our church staff, and we were asked, where do you experience wonder, awe, um, the glory of God. And to me, um, the, the thing that I wrote down in my notes was in nature, outdoors, in God's creation. When I look up at the big trees or when I uh, see a mountain or an ocean or something just like um, natural. And so I, I wrote down in my notes that my, a reminder to myself to go out into those places with my kids to seek those experiences out in uh, the outdoors. And yesterday we did that. With another family, the Fainer family in the church, we went for a walkabout. And um, some of the things that I noticed about a walkabout in the woods is that it's good for the soul. You know what I mean? It's really good. The kids were full of joy, too. The kids think that the highest height of happiness is being at home on their screen. Wrong. But that's what they believe until you bring them into a, into a place where they can experience real joy. They were out there climbing across logs, you know, just exploring, stepping over stones, getting a little wet in the creek, running farther ahead than we wanted them to run on the path, making a big pile of leaves, and then jumping in it. Oh, if you want to see a picture of joy, there it is. I don't think you can manufacture joy. I don't think it works this way. But I do believe we can put ourselves in a position to find it. I'm not saying you can manufacture joy and make it happen, but I believe we can put ourselves in a position or a situation to find it. That's the action step we can take. Go on a, ride, go on a joy ride in your car or on your bike or on your skateboard. Take a walk. Go to the woods. There are ways, these are ways to seek and find the joy that God might have for us. 
Another way, this is, this is another way to um, put ourselves into position to experience joy, I want to give you another, another mode, is through music. Any of you enjoy music? Any of you enjoy music? Hey. Um, this last Sunday night, we were here, or last, last Wednesday night, we were here in the sanctuary for our Blue Christmas service, an annual service where we hold space with those who have lost somebody in their lives and are grieving or mourning or thinking about hard things in life during the Christmas season. We light candles and name names, and you know all about it. And, and the folks who come, for the folks who come, it's important. And this year, I thought our music was just the best we've ever had, honestly. And we were talking about it. We had um, music that was led by Michael and by Rita. They were doing a duet. They were leading us on hymns. Uh, along with them, there was a flautist and a cello, uh, as well as the organist. And afterwards, Carlo, who's up in the booth, he and I were talking about, like, wow, the music sounded so good. Why did it sound so good this year? And then, somebody, and then he said, well, everything sounds better with a cello, which, is, which makes sense, right? If you listen to a cello, it sounds so good. We were blessed by that. And here's the thing with our church. We actually are blessed week by week by just a rich variety of musical gifts on, in our Sunday worship, where we are led into worshiping God um, in, through different styles and different sounds and different songs. There's joy to be found on Sunday mornings together. I want to teach you something about this. Um, I, I want to give you another kind of practice as part of your worship. One of the ways to enter into the joy of music or respond is how we use our bodies. And some of you know that in some church traditions, um, there will be people who raise their hands or who stomp their feet or who clap or who shout, things like that, that are not the common practice of our church, right? That's not common. Sometimes that happens, and I see some of you, but um, it's uncommon in our, just in our particular church. Um, but, but the thing is, we, have, we can have joy on the inside that we don't know how to let out. We do not know how to express. We, we are hearing something, seeing something, knowing something that's like, wow, it's so good. But then we're like Presbyterians, so we kind of go, hmm. <sighs> and I honor my Lord. <laughs> That's why they call us the frozen chosen, you know. So, so one of the worship practices I want to teach you and offer you today, just since we're talking about seeking joy, expressing joy, is this. I will call it the Presbyterian flipper. Okay? Yes. Here it is. Um, put your hands out in front of you. Put your hands out like down. And then flip them over, up. Okay. I'm not saying like this. I'm not saying anything like that. The Presbyterian flipper is a very conservative approach, very safe to try at home. You put your hands out like this. Your hands are open because you're receiving something. You are open to what God is saying to you. You are expressing that the joy physically, bodily, as part of your worship. Sometimes, occasionally, on a Sunday morning, there are some folks who will raise a holy hand up high. But for us, I want to offer you this idea. You can just do the Presbyterian flipper. Just respond. Just, oh, it's so good. I'm receiving something. And the good news about the Presbyterian flipper is you can use it with any kind of music. Hymns, anthems, praise songs, songs you know, songs you don't. You can put your Presbyterian flipper out anytime and be uh, worshiping God in that way. Today, it's really good news. The song right after this sermon is going to be led by the band. It's called King of My Heart. Oh, it's a great song. You can just Presbyterian flipper it. Oh, receive it. The, then you can go big if you want. Go big if you want, Carolyn. But I'm giving a word to somebody who's like, okay, I'll do a little bit. Um, 
And then the ending hymn today, the final hymn today, is joyful, joyful, we adore thee, right? Where you can just Presbyterian flipper it. Oh, you can be part of worshiping God that way. It's all about putting yourself in position to receive or experience or be part of the joy that God has for us. That's what we're talking about. So when the chickens go out to the yard, they go to hunt and peck, expecting something is there. Sometimes they discover more than they thought. Sometimes there's more in the yard than they knew was there. And only when they put themselves out there, when they um, seek to find that joy, is it, is it made clear where it is or what it is. They've opened themselves. So I want to encourage you today with this idea about joy. When we come with expectation into worship on a Sunday or out into our week, we are opening ourselves to the possibility that God will show us joy in our lives, give us joy. We can't control it. We can't manufacture it. But when we're open, joy is there for us to find. Maybe you'll do that this week. Maybe you'll do that this week by taking a joy ride in your car or on your bike or on a scooter or on a skateboard or on a motorized wheelchair if you've got one. Maybe you'll do that by getting out into nature and taking a walkabout and opening yourself to the wonder and glory and goodness of God's creation. Maybe you'll do that this week as you sing these songs here in church with holy hands lifted, or even at home with your Alexa or in your car radio or whatever you do, letting yourself be filled with the joy that comes. These practices are really a kind of training. We're learning what it takes, what it looks like, what it means to be disciples of Jesus Christ, even as we hunt and peck. You know, back when we had that Apple IIGS at home, my parents, they didn't let us hunt and peck for long. They, didn't, they weren't satisfied with us just being hunter, hunters and peckers, you know? So they got um, a Mavis Beacon Teaches Typing program. Have you heard that? Remember that? And Mavis Beacon taught us to type. And so we all went through the same program, uh, you know, learning to type on the computer. We learned to type because hunting and pecking wasn't going to be enough to get us through our whole lives. We had to grow up and learn what it meant to type on a keyboard. The same, excuse me, the same is true in our lives of faith. Right now, we can hunt and peck in this season, in an, in an emergency moment, in a time of crisis, in a time of need, to try something out. It's a great time to hunt and peck. But my prayer for you, for all of us, is that we will continually grow up in our faith and understanding so that in the end, we won't be hunting and pecking for Jesus, but we will be with him. He will be with us in, a, in, a, in the fullness of our faith. It is a good time right now to hunt and peck, but it's also a good time to take another step in your journey of faith. We all have to start somewhere. Why not today? Amen.